What's going on guys, my name is Aldenero and welcome to the Midnight Hour as I talk over the Terminator 2 theme music which is just amazing but uh, given the subject choice of this week's episode I thought that it was a fitting soundtrack to the intro of the episode. Um, I want to say straight up this is just a warning before we actually get into the episode that in this episode there contains spoilers for the first three seasons of Homeland, pretty heavy spoilers at that. Um, and also a huge spoiler for Fight Club. After that, there's a light spoiler for Jessica Jones and In Bruges, which will not ruin your viewing experience of either of those things if you choose to watch. If you want a spoiler-free episode, just skip forward to about 25 or 26 minutes in. Um, if not, and you're okay with the Jessica Jones and the In Bruges things, which aren't um, like ruining spoilers like I said then just skip to about 23 minutes so I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the episode and uh, let's start Power in the verse can stop me. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Midnight Hour. I am here, as always, with the man, the myth, the legend, El De Niro. Don't call me El De Niro, Nonti De Niro. That's my name. <laughs> That's my title. Thank That's you so the, much. that is that is the the best title I could come up with, having not thought of anything before I started talking. It's hard, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it happens every time, even when I lead us in. Yeah, um, it's just, uh, I don't know, I don't know what it's it just is. The, it's just, it just sums up how unprepared we are. Yeah, we're the worst. Uh, and speaking of unprepared, we have done little to no research, as always, for this topic. I feel like the research for this topic has just occurred naturally over several years of existence. Yeah, so. yeah, so, so the topic for this week is we're, we're talking about our, like, our favourite characters in film and TV. Yeah, and I think it's a nice comfortable break from last week's episode which is like really intense and really introspective and something yeah. that i'm sure everyone enjoyed for completely different reasons than the reasons that you'll enjoy this one um this was i was thinking like it's episode 60 and obviously it's called the midnight hour and an hour is 60 minutes so there's a huge connection there instantly you know <laughs> damn, damn right um but yeah I, I was thinking like i remember for episode 10 we did a q a uh, just because we'd made it through 10 episodes and we were very ambitious yeah. at the time. um but i was gonna do a q a for this one and i thought about um when i was doing a vlog recently i asked for questions and a guy called jamie anderson who um started out as a subscriber is someone i would just call a friend now um mm. but he said what are your top five favorite film characters and i actually cut my answer out of the vlog because i didn't really get to it at all and it would have added about 47 minutes on the <laughs> video so it just in work today i was like yeah i think that's the topic that we're gonna go with and then i pinged my answer across the irish sea into jack's pocket device yeah which led us here today yeah and that's that's, that's what we're doing here yeah so here we are yeah, seeing as uh, seeing as you have uh, been sitting on this one for a while now. Yeah. 
Do you want to start us off? I will start us off, and I'm going to start us off with uh, the first person that came to my head when I thought of the question, um, mm. and it is not a film character, even though that was the question initially. <laughs> um, we're obviously just going to do characters from, uh, yeah. yeah, whatever. Media is yes. the best way to describe it. Yeah, entertainment land. Yes. Um, but the first person that came to my head was Carrie Matheson from the Homeland TV series. Uh, <laughs> Do you not like her? No. Really? No. I fucking... Like, I fucking love Homeland. Don't get me wrong. I love Carrie. She's and Claire Danes is an absolutely phenomenal actor. Yeah. But holy fuck. The whole of Homeland is driven by Carrie Matheson's stupidity. Is it, though? Yeah, it really is. Like, when I was thinking that after, like, season three, it would kind of die down. It was like it was starting to die down, and there was surely no way, reasonable way, that they could continue the storyline into a fourth season. And then Carrie goes and does something fucking ridiculous. Well, I think it's like a lot of her sort of character arc thing depends on... It's a stupid character arc that she has. Oh, it's the dumbest thing in the world. It's actually really lazily written that we're supposed (laughs) to believe that, like, fucking 30 years into the the series Homeland, Saul, her boss, is still like, No, Carrie, you're crazy. And, like, she's right every <laughs> fucking time. It's like, um, uh, is her name Jessica from Murder, She Wrote? Where yeah. it's like, the cops are always like, oh, leave, leave this to the professionals, man. And it's like, <laughs> look, you've had, like, a thousand murders in your small village, and she has solved every All single of one of them. Yeah. And you don't think that maybe this time she's right? But that's what I find with Carrie's thing. It's like, it's a dumb lazily written character that there was in season four I think Mm. where um, she was infiltrating uh, where was she based in Germany I think Uh, she was in Berlin I think oh actually no in season four she was in um, that was season five she was in Berlin in season four they were in um, Tehran I think so yeah with the American embassy yeah it was Tehran yeah yeah but um, like one of the guys she was sort of uh, had earmarked as a um, information person, whatever, someone that she could get information. Informant, out of. yeah. Yeah, and then she just like ended up having sex with him to get that information. Oh man, that's just the laziest writing. Like, well, oh I well, mean, she's a woman spy. What what can yeah, she do to get yeah, this? Yeah, she'll she'll just bang him. Yeah. Like, and it's not even just lazy in the way that they, she kind of just uses her sexuality constantly to get anything that she wants or needs yeah it's the fact that they kind of go oh yeah it's completely it's completely plausible that this woman with like undiagnosed bipolar disorder can make a 15-year career in the cia and then you know and then the whole the fact that she is bipolar drives all of her stupid decisions i know yeah and drives the rest of the show forwards it's when you actually analyze it it's awful yeah, but, I but at think... the same time, it was actually a fantastic show. Yeah, well, season four was a bit dull, and yeah. by season three, I was so sick of Brody that I wanted to gouge my eyeballs out, but um, yeah. season five was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it really was. I really, really, really like Carrie. Like, I-, I think it's a testament to just how good Claire Danes is as an actor. Mm, yeah. I-, I honestly think she is the best actor on TV in any yeah. series ever. Um, but that thing that she does where she's like, 
she's like breaking down and she's halfway oh, and between face, crying and trying yeah. to hold it together. It is her one face of the greatest is, things. Yeah, the, like the amount of just times that I had to pause it just because I was like, this is the most ridiculous fucking thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Her face just like almost folds in on itself. Oh, she's amazing. And like, turns tomato red. It's absolutely fantastic. But that's the thing is like, I don't know, I, I would absolutely hate the show if she wasn't in it. Um she is what keeps me watching it and yeah. it's not necessarily just Claire Danes it's the life that she brings to what I mm. think is a ridiculous character when you yeah. analyze it enough but just to watch the episodes I just think she's fantastic and yeah I like really really think that that's what drives the show and stuff like that and um I think that you've got a really good as well with Homeland you've got an absolutely phenomenal actor playing Saul Berenson as well. Yeah, he's class. That kind of op- that kind of complete opposite of her, that kind of ridiculously cool and calm. Yeah, they go together very well. Yeah. They're and really, really he, cool. like he's like you could like he he him to balance her out is, you know, an absolutely phenomenal kind of acting pairing really. Even yeah, though they're not exactly. they're not actually together that much after the first like two episodes. Yeah. But, but they, because you're seeing those kind of story arcs you know, map out, um, you know, next to one another, yeah. as it were. They go together really well. Yeah. I, I, I'm not really a huge fan of Quinn. I think his, like... I, I really enjoyed Quinn. I, I thought, you know, it was nice to just see him go around, you know, like, one-shotting everybody. That was cool, yeah. No, he's, he's badass, <laughs> and I respect that. But yeah. I also think, like, his... I think you knew from the moment he arrived... I think he arrived in season two, and mm. you just knew exactly what kind of character he was. Like, he's such a typical, like, yeah. American sniper-type character, mm. you know? Just, yeah. I don't know. I, I found that to be a little bit tiresome, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's something about... All character. in all, every, from everything we've said, you'd think Homeland was absolutely awful, because... <laughs> And to be honest, all of the characters are quite lazily written, really. Yeah. Like, it, um, it is kind of... It's a very obvious show for a show that keeps you guessing all the time. Yeah. But, um, like, some of, some of the things that happened in that show, I genuinely couldn't believe were actually happening. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> the, the very first... Um, I think it was season two. Like, I actually fist-bumped and, like, cheered when they shot Abu Nazir. <laughs> I was oh, just—I couldn't believe it. Like what I was watching—I don't know. I, I kind of don't want to ruin all the shows that I talk about, though, because I've definitely yeah. just ruined like a good. Yeah, we've, de- we've definitely of... ruined like most of Homeland. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, there's only like two things that I can think of that we haven't really <laughs> I know, yeah. made, given major spoilers to for that show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, probably a bit late now, but this is going to be filled with spoilers. <laughs> I, I think I might have to add something in at the start. Yeah. You're gonna have to. Um, yeah, but like I mean, most of you are like avid media consumers, just like we are. So I don't think it'll be too. Well, I mean, we'll try and keep it spoiler free. But some, uh, some of our like sort of love for certain characters will come from yeah. the completion of their story, which will yeah. incur spoilers. But we'll we'll do what we can, and we're sorry. Yeah. And if you you should still watch Homeland, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Like to be honest, by the time you get to the end of season one, you'll have forgotten everything we've said. Yeah, you will. Um, you it will. happens. It happens with me. Like people will spoil something, and then I'll get so engrossed into a, a film or a TV show that I'll just completely forget that the spoilers. I know what's going to happen. I had a huge chunk of Breaking Bad ruined for me, but really. I and um, House of Cards, which I haven't even watched properly yet, but I'm able to just 
turn that off. I don't know. I, I, like, I'm a very good person for just forgetting things that, <laughs> that I don't want to know and stuff. I'm actually able to fairly well just shut something out of my brain completely until it's yeah. not a factor at all. So just do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just do that. Yeah. To be honest, like if the if the TV show or the film is good enough, uh, chances are that it'll engross you so much you'll completely forget that you know the ending. There's a huge argument that I saw put up on AV Club one day about spoilers not actually ruining your enjoyment factor at all. Uh, some kind of, not scientific study, but yeah. um, a survey was done and and they spoiled things for some people. But like, yeah. I don't care. I just don't want to know. Like, Yeah, I, yeah I, I'd rather, like I've started whenever, because um, me and my housemate go to watch, um, you know, films in the cinema uh, yeah. Fairly, fairly regularly. You know, once a month maybe, which I think is counts as pretty regularly. Um, and I, generally, I'll try and go into watching uh, the films without actually having seen even the trailers. Yeah. Um, if I've heard briefly, you know, if I've heard it bandied about on Facebook or on Twitter or I've seen it on, you know, on Reddit and stuff, I can generally get the gist that it's whether it's a good film or not, whether it's worth going to see. Yeah, same. Like, uh, and it's nice going into things without any kind of preconceived notion of what it's going to be. Like, it's better, I think. Like, yeah. If you saw the, um, well, obviously I'm a huge nerd, and the Star Wars trailers really captivated me. But mm -hmm. I feel like having watched them when I went into the cinema to see the movie, I knew everything that was going to happen from the trailers. Yeah. And it's not the most subtle movie anyway by itself. No. The Force Awakens, you could kind of predict it anyway. But with the mm -hmm. trailers, I just knew every single thing that was going to happen. It was yeah. obvious to me. Yeah, yeah. I think that's like a real problem nowadays with film trailers is that they. They seem to just be, you know, like two, three-minute versions of the actual movie. Yeah. And they, I, they give, like, a good film trailer will give you the tiniest inkling of what's going to happen. That's what I was saying to you. That's why I asked you about 10 Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. That's the best trailer I've seen in years. Like, yeah, I, I saw you know, I saw it the other day, and I haven't actually seen it. Again, this is another one that I did, went into having not seen the trailer and knowing that it was kind of just from the same people that did, um, you know, the original Cloverfield. Yeah, I, I don't um, even know how much... I don't know if it... Is it the same producers or something? Same producers, different director, yeah, I think. It's, it's, it is a different um, director. It's, it's um, your it's man, not... um, the guy who directed it, his name is uh, Trachtenberg. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I wasn't really a fan of the first uh, Cloverfield. I enjoyed it. Uh, I really wasn't a fan, personally. The monster uh, it, it just, is my is one of my favorite characters. That's oh yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, it just you know the first Cloverfield didn't really you know hit it off for me, um, but this one's excellent. This one's you know fantastic. Yeah, I, Gen I can't wait to watch. You know, it. I, was, I was saying I was saying to my friend I I didn't relax throughout the whole film. Oh awesome! I it was, I was really on the edge. I'm very excited to watch it. Uh, another thing I wanted to, you know, I want to mention before we really get into um, seeing as we've only picked one character in about fifteen minutes now, uh, <laughs> is that I when when you when you said you know we'll do we'll do um, like a top five characters or just favourite characters in film and TV, I thought it'd be really easy. And I was saying this to you in the pre-show. I really struggled with it. It's yeah. like it's like you know when someone says to you, "Oh, what's your favourite film?" and your mind just kind of goes blank straight away, and you just go. Um, um, the little toaster, and it's like, what? <laughs> my mind just went completely blank, and then you know I was just kind of googling my favourite films and stuff like that, and googling 
lists that other people have put together of their favorite characters because you know i have no opinion of my own <laughs> <laughs> and i was kind of reading about these characters and then kind of thinking well do i enjoy the character because they're just in a really good film or just because they're by an actor that i like or do i like them because of the character that they are yeah this is the thing that i actually had to really assess over the last few years kind of um i've really grown into a person who analyzes things on a different level than i used to like i used to analyze every single thing personally and how it related to me um so fight club became one of my favorite movies which is a fact i'm actually a little bit embarrassed about um i think aesthetically it's a fantastic movie but i think the oh, yeah. message is very very like i'd say misconstrued maybe in in some yeah. ways but it's a very kind of just violent and obscene message and i know that that's the point but um fight club is something that i was just like yeah like fuck this to be honest this is shit like you're not your fucking wallet or whatever um and now i definitely analyze movies from the point of view of someone who makes movies or something like i definitely am very analytical over like how things are put together and how characters are represented and what their overall deal is like how good of a character they are and stuff yeah. and i think it's led to a lot more like or a much stronger appreciation for just movies in general since i've started or since i found myself looking at them in that kind of different light i don't really know what spurred it on i yeah. guess i've always just when i'm interested in something i always have to know every single thing about it until i know every single thing about it and i guess that's just part of the process of enjoying it for me is that i analyze everything yeah in-depthly. yeah so you know you mentioned fight club and one of the one of the people i've actually got on my list is technically it's two actors because it's both uh norton and pitt because it's the you know obviously you can't really have one without the other yeah it's um obviously you know they're two separate personalities as it were but yeah as a character <laughs> narrator slash jack slash tyler durden i wonder should you know. we leave that in because <laughs> that's a massive spoiler yeah but you know if people haven't seen fight club yet i mean it's been out for 17 years yeah that's uh, Homeland, I can I can allow, but to be honest, if they haven't, if if it's been seventeen years and they still haven't seen Fight Club. In fairness, I knew uh, that before <laughs> I saw Fight Club, and it didn't do anything to hinder my enjoyment of that movie no. when I first saw it. Like it blew my mind when I first saw it. It's a great yeah. movie. Um, and yeah, if, I, if if you want, you can just bleep that whole bit. I, I, I think I'll <laughs> leave it in. Fuck it, YOLO. Yeah, but people honestly have to understand that they're going to get some spoilers because we can't really. Otherwise, it would just be us going, yep, so I kind of enjoy this character, yeah. and this character, <laughs> and this character. Oh, yeah, that character. Yeah, that character. But like, you know, we kind of have to discuss the films that they're into. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I think that uh, Tyler Durden is a fantastic character. Yeah. And I think uh, Brad Pitt was the perfect person to play the Tyler yeah. Durden side of yeah. it, too. Yeah, got that right kind of cocky charisma kind of... Yeah, like he is who everyone wants to be, like yeah. every man wants to be, is yeah. uh, definitely Brad Pitt, he's the man. And I think uh, the, there's so many things about the character, like, well, the narrator that I completely related to, mm. um, like the part where he he just, he's in the, <laughs> he's like sitting in in the bathroom while Brad Pitt is having a bath, and he just puts his head up against the wall and he's like, 
I can't get married. I'm a 30 year old boy. <laughs> like, that's that will be me probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like I, I, ju- I just you know I, I don't know if it was um like again this is this is it comes back to the whole you know me saying I couldn't figure out whether it was the characters, the actors, or the film that they're they're a part of, the world that they're a part of, but everything just fits perfectly. Yeah. With, like with the actors and the characters, and Edward Norton plays uh, a fantastic narrator. This kind of almost not quite bumbling idiot, but kind of just everyday you know, person. I like, think Ed Norton in that movie is. You know how the current popular uh, teen type movie is where the protagonist is a teenager who doesn't know what he's going to do with his life, and he's not popular but he's not unpopular and he's really yeah. funny but also really self-deprecating um mm-hmm. if have you seen me and earl and the dying girl no oh well the character <laughs> in that, or the art of getting by or it's kind of a funny story like all of these movies yeah. have a really really similar protagonist and i think that david fincher is an absolutely ridiculous director like he's just mm-hmm. fantastic um i think ed norton's character in fight club is the adult version of the teen protagonists from those movies mm. i think that's what they turn into is someone who's yeah. like very 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 introspective um yeah but, but lives, like, it's lives, really yeah yeah like they want something more but they don't mm. know how to attain it because they're too awkward and they're too sort of shy and mm. like stuck in their like rut as such yeah and it's uh, a <clears throat> it's a really interesting journey that he goes on in that movie. I think yeah, it's so um I don't know it's one of just the movie itself is just so well made. I think yeah, there's so many little things about it that stand out. Like it's from 1998, and there's this one scene where he's talking, he's describing his um apartment through like mm-hmm. a pottery barn catalog, and the catalog yeah. comes to life. And yeah. like the table forms and the price and the description appears beside it as if you're looking at like what nowadays would be like an IKEA website. Yeah. Thing. And it's so neatly done. Like Fincher just does so many like neat little things like that. But um yeah, that's that's aside from the characters themselves. Yeah. The the, yeah. the, the, the narrator is just amazing. He has so many just great quotes that are not to do with like Tyler Durden's revolutionary assault on contemporary lifestyle type quotes but just the quotes that he says himself like yeah. next person to touch me gets a lead salad when he's got the gun <laughs> in the police station like stuff yeah. like that he's so good at just those little things yeah and you know like just the whole like and you, were, you, were, you know you were saying about the um the teenager that grows up to be this kind of very you know just he's just the the grown-up version of the you know these very typical teenagers and yeah. just some of the interactions he has with a lot of the kind of characters outside of himself and you know their uh, their fight club yeah uh like when when they're, they're you know the scene where he's talking where he's lost his bag in the um on the airplane yeah and, um he's talking to the thing at the guy at the desk and he's talking about how his bag was vibrating and he goes well sometimes it's a dildo. Yeah. And he's like, of course, I'm not allowed to prescribe ownership of the item. I can't say your dildo. Dildo. Like, I don't even have it. And the guy just completely shrugs him off and goes back yeah. on the phone. It's amazing. And if you look over the corner of uh, Ed Norton's shoulder in that scene, you'll see Brad Pitt stealing a sports car. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just a little side That he later turns up in. Yeah. 
And then, like, the the part where he's just talking about how his company um, comes up with their uh, model for whether or not they should recall a product, and, like, explaining the formula, and the woman on the plane is like, what company do you work for? And he's like, a major one. <laughs> it's so good. He He does so many just neat little things that get completely overshadowed by Brad Pitt's side of it. Yeah. And I think the Tyler Durden angle of it is something that gets glorified when it should be ridiculed. Whereas Ed Norton's character just has so many sort of charming and neat and relatable aspects to it. Like he's yeah. kind of the only sane one, which is ironic in itself, obviously. But when he's just like, what are you doing? He was a person. His name is Robert Paulson. His and, name is Robert Paulson. Yeah, so good. He's just absolutely class. Yeah. Um, my next character is also from a TV series, and yeah. it's one of the most recent ones. I'm sure you'll all be aware of who it is, but it is Kilgrave from uh, Jessica Jones. Oh, very nice. I yeah. think Jessica Jones was such a slow-burning show for me. Like when I was on episode four, I was like, "Oh, well, this is just Daredevil light. Like it's it's not as <laughs> good." And I didn't pay proper attention to how well they built that character. Like he sort of, you're very aware that he's a monster before he's even appeared and there's all these things that make no sense to you like the waiter being like oh is, is he coming back and you don't understand why the waiter had to go to like fucking china or something to get the food that he yeah. wants not not china obviously but he had to he had to jump through hoops to get the food because yeah. um if you don't know if kilgrave tells you to do something you have to do it but um, the way they approached that and how well it was sold was just fantastic. And the character himself was unbelievable. Like, by episode 9, you got the full gist of how much of a monster this guy was yeah. and how utterly deluded he was, but how childlike his fantasies were. And you <laughs> could feel sympathy for him, knowing full well that he's a dis disgusting human being like it yeah. is absolutely amazing so well done and david tennant as well i don't like anything that you know that glamorizes a show as ridiculous and pathetic as doctor who but um <laughs> david tennant was fantastic and yeah it's another one of those things where i think you'll notice with all of the characters that you like it's because the actor was really good yeah. most of them anyway yeah i you know i think you'd struggle to kind of uh, you know, the right actor needs to bring the right character to life, as it were. Yeah. And I think you'd struggle to find a decent, uh, like, you know, un unless you're well versed with, like, the books or the comics or, you know, let's say the written version that was then turned into a TV show or a film. Yeah. I think that's the only way that you can kind of like a character without a decent actor bringing it into yeah, that's a big one. Like, real life. I think the character of Neo in The Matrix is fine, but I, yeah. I'm not compelled at all by Keanu Reeves, but that's mm. because he's Keanu Reeves. Um, <laughs> and then there's there's other things like, say, The Beach. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio was absolutely not the right person to play the character of Richard. Like, when you read the book, um, it's a little bit more obscene than the movie, oddly enough. But Richard is a very sort of um, humble and misguided uh, British gentleman type guy. Yeah. And at the end of the movie, like he he's a much more awkward character than DiCaprio's Richard is. But at at the end of the book, Richard is like, 
I'd love to tell people that I carry a lot of scars because it was such a wild adventure and I learned so much from it and not a lot of people will understand but like I wouldn't say something like that Mm because I'm not cool enough and then at the end of the beach the movie DiCaprio was like I carry a lot of scars and it's like shut your fucking (laughs) mouth go and fucking bitch slap another movie with the Hollywood sign (laughs) fucking sellout I'm just kidding I love DiCaprio but he wasn't right to play that part it should have been Ewan McGregor or someone like that yeah I, for some reason, I, I had Ewan McGregor. I, th- I think he was meant to be cast yeah, in the film. Yeah, he was. I think him and Danny Boyle fell out over that. Yeah. But uh, I know this is pushed for DiCaprio for obvious reasons. Yeah, which is a real shame. Yeah. But yeah, like, Kilgrave in Jessica Jones was... And I didn't think I'd enjoy Jessica Jones more than I enjoyed Daredevil. Yeah, same. Um, But I went into watching Daredevil Season 2, kind of thinking, oh yeah, but it's not quite Jessica Jones. Hmm. Which complete turnaround. Yeah, um, and in fact, I haven't even got past the second episode of season two of Daredevil yet. You should, because Elektra is so good. Yeah, I'm hoping it. Pick, I'm hoping it picks up. I just need to finish watching Hell's Kitchen because I'm a sucker for Gordon Ramsay shows. <laughs> it's funny that Daredevil <laughs> two takes place in Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> I know. Tell me about it. A better Hell's Kitchen. <clears throat> I don't know. This your Hell, the Daredevil Hell's Kitchen doesn't have Gordon Ramsay at the helm. That's why it's better. <laughs> it's got uh, the Punisher, who is another really neat character. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I have, I, I am quite looking forward to seeing how that plays out. I just need to get back on with it. To um, segue to another, yes, uh, I mean, sometimes we will talk vividly about characters, and other times we'll give them an honorable mention. Mm. And I think uh, Shane from The Walking Dead deserves a huge, like, honorable mention because. He kept the series interesting when it resembled a pile of fecal matter. And uh, the character, or the actor who played the Punisher, played Shane, so that was the reason for that transition. But um, season one of The Walking Dead is an absolutely fantastic piece of television, and season two and three are garbage. But uh, Shane's character arc is the guy who, when the world turns to shit, there's one guy who will adapt to the new world. There's one guy who wants to get back to the old world because, you know... Um, he is sort of he stands for uh, this sort of Western morals and and everything that we have. Mm-hmm. This is the correct way of living, and we need to get back to that. And there's another guy who says fuck it and adapts to the new world and does what he can do and stuff. And that's Shane. Yeah. Um. And he like while this series was so fucking dull, I cannot even express with words enough how dull the barnyard season of the walking dead is on herschel's farm like it's garbage absolute garbage and the only thing that kept me from forcefully removing my eyeballs from their sockets was shane's explosiveness and his complete like unpredictability and how mental he would be but (laughs) while he would have a point at the same time because he was just a really compelling character and sometimes people would be like oh shane for fuck's sake you're you're outrageously over the top and you're deluded and you've gone crazy and other times they'd be like yeah like he's right and that was really really interesting and i think the actor who plays him is great i really really like him he's kurt Mm. angle's nephew as well so (laughs) you know instant cool points for that and also his cousin is the guitarist the bassist from fountains of wayne so everything this guy he's just got it all everything 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 he touches turns to kind of almost gold yeah or famous relations <laughs> it's just it, it's he's the greatest yeah and another honorable mention that is kind of completely out of left field and has nothing to do with the walking dead at all um i really enjoyed and i don't know what made me think of this 
but the uh, the crazy mystery woman in the Blues Brothers movie. Oh, I fucking love um, the Blues Brothers. Yeah, I love. I absolutely adore the Blues Brothers movie. Um, and the mystery woman that just turns up, um, you know, rocket launcher and all. Yeah. Is <laughs> just the most ridiculous and fantastic character. I've been wanting to use uh, Ghost Riders in the Sky as like the uh, as yeah. as a song in the Midnight Hour for so long, and you've just given me the perfect reason perfect. to do it. When in the Blues Brothers 2000, they do a cover of it. Excellent. Great song. But yeah, that brilliant class movie overall. Yeah. And so I'm going to, there is absolutely no linking segue into this next one, but I'm going to take us there anyway. And this is, this next person is an actor that plays himself in every role, essentially. Johnny Depp. Close. It's Jackie Chan. Oh, wow. (laughs) Same initials. You were close with Jay. Yeah. But, like, Jackie Chan just plays Jackie Chan in every Jackie Chan film. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Panama Papers thing aside, and all of his misdoings, he, you know... Oh, and there are lots. And and there are many. Who doesn't love Jackie Chan? Jackie Chan is just a good Steven Seagal. (laughs) Or, like, no, he's a really good Steven Seagal, and he's a good Jean-Claude Van Damme. (laughs) (laughs) But Jackie Chan is just... Like there's there's no other way to say it. Jackie Chan is Jackie Chan. Yeah, he's, he's, he's Jackie one Chan of the plays a great Jackie Chan in every Jackie Chan film. Yeah, I like the one where he's Jackie Chan and he Jackie Chan's yeah. that guy. Yeah. To what be was, honest, uh, Jackie Chan's first strike, that thing he does with the step ladder. <laughs> what the fuck is that? I I don't know. There, there's so many things stunts that Jackie Chan has done. Right. I I need to stop saying Jackie Chan because it doesn't sound like a real name I know, anymore. It's really irritating. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> now I'm trying to figure out why, the the amount of stunts that he's done, um, like ones where he like throws a table over the back over his head in like rush hour or something like that is, yeah, it just it's just insane. And he actually made Shanghai Nights. I've watched Shanghai Nights twice, and I hate Owen Wilson with yeah. a passion, yeah. a burning fiery passion. He's garbage. And um, the Chanster makes it all. The Chanster. <laughs> the uh, the infamous Hacker 4chan makes it all <laughs> it all watchable. I haven't seen a whole lot of Jackie Chan movies, to be quite honest. But um, I do fully respect and appreciate how much of a god he is. Because <laughs> he is. Yeah. Are there, are there any more kind of uh, the person plays themselves that you've got in mind? Um... I'm sure there is, but while you were talking about that whole thing, all I could think of was Tom Cruise. And I think yeah. it is a case where his characters aren't especially amazing, but he makes uh, them so good. Like, Ray Ferrier in War of the Worlds, I just think Tom Cruise is magnificent in that role. And it's such a weird thing, because like nobody seems to like War of the Worlds, and I don't know why, but I think uh, Tom Cruise does a great job in that. Mm. Um, other people, like... I, I really think that uh, Clint Eastwood, um, there are three actors who, mm-hmm. without being particularly gifted actors, they have the look, they have the mood, and they've captured something that allows them to portray a certain type of character that not a lot of people can do. Um, Clint Eastwood, Ryan Gosling, and to a lesser extent, Ben Affleck, who I think mm. is um, 
a limited actor, but just a very good sort of. I, I I don't know how to yeah he just he just portrays yeah. a vibe or a mood. There's, yeah, yeah. There's something like that's his talent, and I really respect that. Um, Ryan Gosling is someone who. I think is actually a phenomenal actor, but doesn't really showcase it because he's being typecast and he's thrown into this sort of mm-hmm. all of the characters that he plays to cover them all in the one thing. Pretty much the guy in, uh, is it half Nelson or full Nelson? It's full Nelson. Isn't uh, it? Possibly. Yeah. It, the, the one where he, yeah, he's a, he's a teacher who's addicted to heroin. I think it is. Mm. Um, the driver in drive, um yeah. even the guy in only god forgives which is a garbage movie um mm. what's he's in another one where he does the same thing again uh the place beyond the pines he just yeah. plays a guy who comes from like a bad life or a you know some like a broken home or whatever well you can sort of tell that by how good he is at just portraying the character um doesn't talk much is a good guy at heart, but is just in with the wrong crowd and is constantly yeah. walking a line between good and bad. And his arc in every movie is that he finds the one person or thing that can help to pull him over to the good side permanently. And he really struggles to hold his head above water and fight off his demons. And that's, he's great at that. Um, yeah. And Clint Eastwood, just the man with no name and like all of his Western roles, really like unforgiven, uh, stuff like that, he's great. I wasn't keen about his character in Gran Torino, to be honest. I thought he just sort of sat on his porch and grunted a lot and yeah, got very, it, very high reviews for it. Yeah, like it, it seemed like he just went down, straight down to just kind of uh, squinting angrily. Yeah, uh, um, for no real reason other than the fact that they're Korean. Like, well, what's your problem? It was, you know, the whole thing was about subverting his, you know, racist his racism essentially yeah. because it, it, he was in vietnam and they're korean uh so they're basically vietnamese so yeah. he hates them um but then you know it, it, oh look he's not racist anymore yeah uh, because and it, it of, was because it of things like a neat like, journey but i i think that movie is a little overrated yeah, yeah. Like I, I had it recommended quite highly to me. Um, so yeah. I did decide to sit down and watch it, and uh, I really wasn't all that fussed by it, to be honest. It's one of those movies that everyone just goes fucking nuts for, and like I yeah. never really get the reason as to why. But uh, yeah, Clint Eastwood, uh, he's class, and you know, mm. um, aside from in real life when he talked to a stool pretending it was Barack Obama at some Republican rally or whatever. Um, I think he's, he's just as an actor, he was uh, phenomenal in his heyday. And uh, mm. I think Gosling is kind of uh, a long to be the next Clint Eastwood in that type of just, yeah, I, I think I've explained it well enough. I yeah. doubt anyone will question me on what yeah. I just said. Um, no. Yeah, that that's pretty much the, the, the those are the, the Holy Trinity uh, that comes to mind, I think. Mm. I think um, I'm not sure if he'd fit into that kind of description, um, but I I would make a strong case, and this is completely getting away. I one of his char- one of the characters that he plays is actually on my list, um, but Jake Gyllenhaal oh, yeah. is a fantastic actor. He's, yeah, he's, he's recently like moved up to proper. Yeah, he top really tier. like he really has moved up to top tier. I mean, I, for all its misgivings, I really enjoy the film Jarhead. Um, I like Jarhead a lot, yeah. I wouldn't say it's a good film or any particularly good acting. I'd say Jarhead is um, a solid six and a half out of ten. Yeah, yeah. 
it's it's nothing special, but it's kind of quite enjoyable. But I the character, think... sorry, gone. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say, uh, Gyllenhaal's character in it is just so believable. Like, yeah. I, I so felt everything that he. Well, obviously, yeah. look, I've never been to war, but like, I, <laughs> I really believed him. Like, I was really rooting mm. for him and stuff. Yeah, I, I think he he did yeah. a fucking amazing job in that movie. Yeah, uh, and the character, you know, the character that I had down for. Um... Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal was uh, Lewis Bloom in um, Nightcrawler. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like he's not my favorite character because of his personality, because well, because he kind of doesn't have one per se. Um, yeah. But you just feel uncomfortable looking at him. Yeah. And I... at the things that he does and the way that he moves and acts and everything. You know that you know that is phenomenal because he is meant to be like that. Yeah, I I think a lot of his um, expression or just his demeanor, everything about him in that mm. movie seemed to be borrowed quite heavily from Patrick Bateman. I feel mm. in yeah. American Psycho, um, I feel like those two characters sort of go very well together. Like yeah. I I think uh, he was probably building off the foundation set by Christian Bale mm. in American Psycho. Yeah, funnily enough, it's funny you say that because Patrick Bateman is actually another one of the characters I've got. Really? I had in mind, yeah. I was thinking um, about putting him on, and then yeah. I just thought, nah. Yeah, but the, there's um there's a fantastic there's a fantastic YouTube video by um a, 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 an account that's only got 443 subscribers, uh, but it's called Mister Nerdista, and it's called uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. It's all in the eyes, and it's a film analysis of Jake Gyllenhaal's acting essentially with a specific focus on the acting he does solely, you know, using his eyes. Yeah. And it's actually a really fascinating watch. I'd say so. I, if you watch and just listen to what the guy has to say, it it really is a really interesting watch. Yeah, I th- I think I think that's really true. I also think Jake Gyllenhaal just has a mouth that gives away a lot of his expression too. Yeah. Like um if you think about in Jarhead the the, the scene I always think about is him, I, and this won't spoil it. The, you know the scene with the sniper rifle where he doesn't get to do the thing that he was trying so hard to do the whole time. Yeah. Um, his mouth is open and his eyes are like saucers, and he's just like he's shocked and sad, and he sells yeah. it so well. And mm-hmm. then in uh, Nightcrawler, he has a much more sort of subverted gaze that's. Um, very difficult to understand what he's feeling mm. and thinking, and that in itself is sort of um, what's the word uh, disconcerting. Yeah. By its very nature, and I think he does a really, really good job at selling that sort of thing. So yeah, um, I definitely understand, and that's a really fucking. I never even thought of that before. Yeah. To, like, yeah, like the the um the that YouTube video kind of describes is um a film that I actually kind of want to see that I haven't got around to seeing. Prisoners. Oh, I've seen um, it. is it any good? Yeah, it's really good. Uh, um, but saying that kind of um, there's this you know thing that Gyllenhaal does with his eyes during the film, uh, you know it wasn't in script, it wasn't in you know th- there was nothing, there was no direction given to him. You know he's been asked about it, and it's just what he you know put in there. He knows that he's good, you know, good with his eyes, as it were. He can act with his eyes, yeah, and that's what he you know brought to the table. Yeah, he's he's a phenomenal actor, I think. Mm. Um, but yeah, like his, you know, that character in Nightcrawler, I really enjoyed that character. It tied up the whole package of the film. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it did. 
He did a really, really good job with that. Yeah, because without that character, without that character kind of leading the way in this kind of perverted crusade for uh, news articles, yeah, I suppose is the best way to describe it. Um, without him there driving it all along, and without that specific character, I don't think the film would work. No, definitely all. not. With any other character, it wouldn't work. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to go uh, all out for the next one. Oh, Christ. Just bring big <laughs> guns straight go away. Go for it. Uh, Han Solo. He's, yeah. He's the man. Like, he's the ultimate, ultimate cool guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, he is. He is cooler than Bruce Willis with hair, I think. <laughs> the... that, is that your qualifier, qualifier for all that's cool? Look, if you well, watch I mean... Die Hard... Just, I mean, it's cool, but it's not Bruce Willis with hair kind of cool. Yeah, like, Bruce Willis with hair is pretty much fucking top-tier, grade-A coolness. <laughs> that, like, just, if, when you picture Die Hard, you picture him in the elevator shaft, or in the ventilation shaft, with that sort of aerial shot. Um, well, it's not an aerial shot, but he's on his side, so it looks like an aerial yeah. shot. Um, and he's just got a full head of hair, and he looks fucking incredible, um... That shirt, that vest, covered in blood, the handgun. That's just fucking cool, man. But it's <laughs> not quite Han Solo cool. <coughs> Han Solo no, is... I think I'll give you that, yeah. He's the greatest. Um, everything about him is awesome. He doesn't care. He's an outlaw. His best friend is a person who can't even fucking speak because anything that speaks annoys him and he has a witty retort to pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, he's phenomenal his his entire like uh charisma and persona mm. and just how well it's defined that you already know a lot about him without knowing anything about him like who are han solo's parents you don't even think to ask because it's just obvious that he has always been this cool like he's not <laughs> a guy who even needs parents and that's what i feel like that's why luke skywalker was a fucking orphan at the start because they were like ah we're not even going to give this guy we're, his parents are dead because we can't even be bothered to explain this fucking whiny kids upbringing. this one little bitch is oh yeah, gosh but han solo is just instant fucking cool everything about him all his quotes everything yeah watch your mouth kid or you're gonna find yourself floating home <laughs> great everything he just like he just comes in and it's just all like everything is uh, like go yeah straight away yeah with him and i think you know there's that fantastic bit where he you know kind of um the princess the princess pushed like you know rejects him yeah. and it's kind of that moment where you just kind of go ah oh, but yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i understand why yeah and, and uh, <laughs> like carrie fisher doesn't really get a lot of credit as an actor which i i think it's i think she's average at best yeah. But I think her and Han Solo worked very well together because mm-hmm. um, to develop that story of him being like, look, I'm a scumbag. I don't care about any person in the world, but like you'll do and stuff like that. And yeah. she did a great job of understanding and rejecting that at the same time. Yeah. Like I feel like any other movie involving a princess like that, like she's going to be blonde and charmed by the guy that comes to rescue her and end up marrying him mm-hmm. or whatever 
like fucking Rapunzel and all of that stuff. But uh, I think Carrie Fisher's Princess Leia just had a lot of bite, and it was mm. it's a lot more interesting to watch. I feel, um, and her and Harrison Ford bounced off each other so well. And in The Empire Strikes Back, it's one of the greatest quotes ever. It was one that Harrison Ford just decided to say. It wasn't in the <laughs> script when he's being lowered into the carbonite and Leia says, I love you. And he says, I know. Yeah. It's so fucking badass. Like, he yeah. doesn't know if he's even going to survive that carbonite or if he's ever going to see her again. And that's what he leaves her with. But the only thing that fucking matters is having your last words just be fucking cool as shit yeah it's amazing. that's all that, that that's all that actually matters in life yeah he's he's just um he's the ultimate space pirate like yeah um i, I think i really like malcolm reynolds from firefly um but mm. you can so tell that he was built off the han solo thing and so <laughs> was fucking star lord from um that movie uh with chris pratt the space uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, that one. Really, like when I was looking up best characters, uh, just to compare them with my list, the fucking like, do people not realize that there are movies that aren't superhero movies? It's fucking uh, no. madness! Like all of them are like, are sci- like sort of fantasy stuff from recent years. Like I, I, I think that everyone not only has a short memory, um, yeah. but. The kind of people that care about uh, best characters in the world list are the kind of people that don't watch anything. Nerds. Um, yeah, they're just nerds who watch comic book films. Yeah, I mean, um, when Empire do a top 100 greatest characters, and Optimus Prime is in, like, fuck, just, just And the minions off. are, like, five spaces Yeah, for in. fuck's sake. Jesus. Yeah, unbelievable. But, you know, I, I was thinking, uh, by all by all rights, although, you know, he does kind of uh, help the hero of the story, and in his own right, he is kind of the hero of the story. That's the neat thing. It's... You shouldn't really uh, like him. Yeah. Exactly. He's incredibly cocky, and he does a lot of illegal shit. <laughs> He's sort of right. just pinned down a thing that's very difficult to be. Do you know, a lot of the, the smart characters from modern TV and movies, uh, the likes of uh, Hugh Laurie in House or yeah. Robert Downey Jr. in all of the Robert Downey Jr. movies over yeah. the last like 10 years or whatever. Since he got off cocaine, yeah. Yeah, or like Harvey Specter. They're really Ugh. smart dickhead. Where, yeah. like, they're so smart that they have to call everyone a cunt all the time. Yeah. It's like, it's parodied in Family Guy when Princess Leia says, I love you, and Peter Griffin's Han Solo says, fuck off. <laughs> it's like that, it, like, that's what we have now, is, yeah. like, just fucking Huge Larry's character in House is a fucking cunt. Absolute, like, monstrous bellend. Yeah, and it shows the evolution of that character. You know it comes from the Han Solo cool, good-slash-bad guy who's yeah. over-the-top levels of cool. Not like the Ryan Gosling gritty, halfway good-bad guy, mm. but it's just the... Like, he's a bad guy. He's only out for himself, and he'll... Yeah. Um, he'll aid whatever cause benefits him the most. Yeah, but he's think, so charming and stuff. Yeah, and I think there is, but there is kind of that. There is kind of like in, in Star Wars, definitely in Suits, definitely with Harvey Specter. There is kind of this thing where he goes from being this kind of cool, almost lone wolf, does everything for himself, and then you kind of get the. Um, the satisfaction of the, the the protagonist kind of wins him over. Yeah. And he kind of comes onto your side because 
it's a side worth being on and suddenly he's cool and he's with you and suddenly that makes you cool too and that's definitely true for Han Solo I think and for Harvey Specter I think Harvey Specter is just a very convoluted and contorted version of the character they were trying to do because it's like he's so like like Harvey Specter is a dick and he's in love with his job but at the same time he's not he's this ultimately compassionate man with a really strong moral code who will do anything for the people that he's loyal to and stuff and like that's not that doesn't exist in real life there's not one of one of the other people yeah it is and 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 they i don't think they do it well i don't think the characters in suits are actually any good no. Like, um, and yeah, I'm still completely drawn to it as a series. I've stopped watching it, but I'm say I have a really long plane journey coming up in like ten days. Yeah. And I've, I'm saving season four and five for that. Nice. But um, I like um, one of the modern things is that sort of smart dickhead character guy. But it's yeah. also just Sherlock Holmes. Like all <laughs> of these characters are Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Um, House is Sherlock Holmes. If yeah, you yeah. Know, it's He's House just Sherlock Holmes. Holmes doing medicines. Yeah. Right. Like and what is another word for a home is a house. And yeah. Instead of uh, what instead of Wilson, you've got Watson and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, Suits is Sherlock Holmes, but they're both Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> and it's just very. I, I think Suits is kind of just a mess of a show. It's yeah. great and I love it, and it's so yeah. sleek and it's so beautiful yeah. and, but, but it's not. Yeah. yeah, I think I think you know with with shows like Suits and Sons of Anarchy for me definitely. Oh God, they don't have they don't have to be good. <laughs> I like if you can get me invested in the characters. To be honest, no matter how far it goes downhill, I'm probably still going to watch it till the end. That I I couldn't, um, and that holds very true for Sons of Anarchy. I I couldn't stick with it it was too like i don't know to be honest i was four series i was four seasons in and it was like well i might as well see it out <laughs> uh i i got through the whole of the dublin part as well they were in dublin uh they were at one part in they were ireland? in ireland yeah they were in ireland for a while really yeah you didn't even get to that part i i may i honestly watched that, the first episode and that's like the worst series oh really <laughs> yeah wow yeah, but, I, I, I didn't like it at all. Yeah. I can be anything that you want me to be. A punching bag, a piece of string, no. The reminder not to think that found the note down in your Safe with me. 
What's going on, SoundCloud fans? Uh, you're listening to Made of Steel by Our Lady Peace, which is obviously a track named after Superman. The story itself, though, apparently resembles Spider-Man a lot more closely, and it was the song itself was going to be used in um, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie. It's not really a great Our Lady Peace song in terms of what they're capable of and stuff like that, but I thought that it's just kind of a nice, pleasant song. There's nothing edgy or anything like that about it. Um, you guys are listening to this while I'm actually in Singapore, so hopefully you guys are checking out all of the Instagram posts that I'm hopefully putting up and things like that. But uh, I hope you guys are really enjoying this episode, and I hope you guys are showing it some love while I'm away from the channel for a little bit. Um, there will be another episode in two weeks, and I guess that's all I really wanted to say was that I'm not here, even though you're listening to this episode, and that's kind of weird. Not that I'm dead or anything, but, you know, I'm pretty close to it. No, just kidding. Um, but yeah, hope you guys enjoy the rest of the episode, hope you guys enjoy the song. Um, if you guys want to suggest any ideas for topics or anything like that, we are open to suggestions. Um, we're doing pretty well at the moment in terms of what we have in the bank and, you know, how many episodes we have prepared and things like that, so that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, feel free to leave a comment. The comment section on SoundCloud is always a little bit blank, but, um, that's cool. Whatever. Enjoy the rest of the song, enjoy the rest of the episode. Back to kind of characters that you probably shouldn't like, but everybody does anyway. Yeah. Um, Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's an I, interesting one. You really shouldn't, like, he's an awful father. Yeah, and a terrible person. And an awful person. husband. Yeah. And a really bad person. And yet, you know, obviously you find yourself rooting for him. Um, and it's just, you know, this poor Piers Brosnan, this poor bastard comes in and tries to strike a relationship and he does everything for the kids he's you know he's not a dick to anyone yeah and he's totally and he's the villain yeah (laughs) and like nobody is up in arms about this and they should be they should be rioting in the streets (laughs) Um, (laughs) based on the fact that Piers Brosnan this poor bastard just wants a just wants a genuine just wants a genuine relationship yeah and he's the villain of this film. Yeah, it's a joke. It's it's it a really fucking is. catastrophe. It shouldn't be happening. The whole yeah. idea that uh, the whole Mrs. Doubtfire plot is just the ramblings of an insane <laughs> escaped lunatic or something. Yeah. I can't yeah. believe that they a came up with that fucking movie and b produced it and c. It's actually all right. It yeah. doesn't really make a whole lot of a sense. A cornerstone of my childhood. Yeah, and as a concept, it's abysmal. <laughs> just, <laughs> and I don't mean abysmal in the sense that it's just bad to look at. It's just that it's fucking horrible. Like it just shouldn't be happening, really. It is actually a novel. It was a novel. Oh really? Before it became a film, yeah. A 1987 the... English novel. I bet the novel is a lot different. I, it would. It's so obviously a fucking English person that came up with that story as well. Yeah. Because in England, that would be totally believable and fine and charming. Yeah, in England, that's definitely... Because for the first part, they wouldn't be getting divorced anyway. They'd just be kind of very angry at one another and possibly living in separate houses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
and a lot of the mannerisms you can really tell a lot of the mannerisms are quite stiff upper lip yeah very typically english yeah for sure but Even yeah the whole idea of um mrs doubtfire not liking the pierce brosnan character is that's a very english sort of like juvenile spite where it's yeah. like oh this guy this guy wants the thing that i want the bastard like yeah. i feel like that's a very british way mm-hmm. of like it, yeah, it, it, yeah it's juvenile spite that's um irrational yet rational if you yeah. know what i mean and still has some um quite simply fantastic quotes from mrs doubtfire just you know like i'll forever refer to it because it's hilarious but the um the one where she's telling miranda how her husband died oh yeah yeah (laughs) it is great tell us it for no for anyone that doesn't know uh just kind of google it and figure it out because if you haven't seen mrs doubtfire it's been out for 23 years now um this is one spoiler I'm not going to give, ironically enough. <laughs> yeah. go, and, go and fucking watch it. Sort, it, sort your life out. Yeah, Mrs. <laughs> Doubtfire is like the most sacred thing <laughs> in, 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 the, in the list of films that you've watched. That's one yeah. that you've... Yeah, this is one that I draw the line at. Yeah, yeah, appara- appara- your, apparently so. Who Your favourite character, untouchable dialogue. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. Um, similarly to that, mm. like that sort of quaint, <clears throat> charming... Uh, well-meaning comedy from the 90s mm. my next character i'm is expecting you to take a massive left turn and sarah not connor from the <laughs> terminator series um she's amazing and uh, terminator 2 is fantastic it really shows how much of a fucking badass she's become i feel like the evolution of that character is phenomenal to watch. i've used the word phenomenal too much and i need to stop mm. it i'm writing it down and putting a line through it. um <laughs> Yeah, no, she is actually great. Uh, she starts out as a sort of a, just a normal person and evolves into like a military trained badass. And it's so like rewarding to see that transition. Um, in Terminator 2, she's holed up in a mental asylum and this guy is giving a tour of the asylum and um, particularly picks on her and mm. laughs at her for believing in uh, machines coming from the future to yeah. warn us about the apocalypse and stuff and then when she does get out like she fucking kills it with the um the way she syringes the guy and wraps his arm up and she breaks the um the guy the i think he's like the warden of the prison or something she yeah. breaks his arm and he's like you've broken my arm and she goes <laughs> There are 250 bones in the human body. That's one. And it's just so fucking <laughs> brutal and raw and awesome. And not only that, but, like, she is a single parent, which I really respect. Um, but also she, like, with access to time travel and the knowledge that she raised that whiny child that Ed Norton portrayed, mm. or not, uh, Ed Furlong portrayed, mm. and she still chose to, like, not, retrospectively abort him i just think that deserves props yeah mad props for showing that self-restraint yeah she's great as well (laughs) she's so like determined and focused and like the the whole thing where she goes to kill um the guy whose name i've completely forgotten um Uh... like she's outside his house with the laser thing pointed at him and everything Mm. and she's ready to do it and at the last second she gets pulled away or whatever um and she goes into his house and stuff and then they find out that like they're like oh no wait no this guy can help us we don't have to kill him and she's like 
alright fine show us where all the stuff is help us right now like no remorse at all just completely <laughs> focused like fully developed and fully formed as a character and I, I love it she's class yeah. she's the she's more badass than the robots in that movie like she's great have you seen Terminator Genesis? Uh, no, and I will not ever probably. No, yeah, I, the, the 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 fact that they spelt it as they spelt it, yeah, uh, just kind of was the biggest red flag that it, you just kind of need for yeah. a film, I think, really. Yeah, let's name our movie after a pre-game lobby on Modern Warfare Two. <laughs> Fuck off! It's the Y at the end. Yeah, and that just left me kind of thinking. But why? Yeah, why? Is, why, why is this happening? Why, is, why have you spelt it like that? It would have been fine if you'd just spelt it normally. Yeah, and no. I don't think Amelia Clark can... Is, if That's her name, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, is, yeah. I, yeah, she's she's great, actually. She's fantastic. Yeah. But the, the woman that played Sarah Connor is... She's the woman that was meant to play that role. I'm yeah. pretty sure that she had training with, like the Israeli special forces or something in real life. Or, yeah. There's something about, she's a real badass in real life as well, but um, mm. she's awesome. Like just the yeah. that Sarah Connor from Terminators one yeah. and two, that's what you want. And like Amelia Clark doesn't play a weak character in game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, she's fairly weak to start with, but you know, mother of dragons and all that stuff. Yeah. That's, um, never you know, watch game of Thrones. doesn't really, doesn't really scream weakness. No. Um, it doesn't scream Sarah Connor. No. Yeah. I actually have another uh, character. That, in fact, do you know what? No, I'm going to go in a different direction because um, I'm uh, yeah, I'm not sure about that choice. Um, Lester Nygaard from the TV version of Fargo. Oh played wow! By, I've, played I've by Fargo Martin Freeman. Which uh, have you got? Fargo TV series or film? The movie. I've never watched the TV series. Oh, okay. But I've, I've got Marge uh, Gunderson. Yeah. She's great. Uh, yeah, in the TV series, she's great as well. Ah, uh, good. Um, but you know, Lester. Um, Mar- I I really enjoy Martin Freeman as an actor in general, anyway. Um, so this might be a case of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Lester Nygaard in Fargo, the TV series, just uh, I think he just like. It's so hilarious. He's so hilariously helpless, <laughs> yeah, and useless, and just this kind of everyday idiot. And I, I just think it's great. I just think he's an excellent character. Yeah, it really does help when it has an actor that you like as well. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't know how much I'd enjoy The Punisher if it wasn't Kurt Angle's nephew playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fargo is just a great thing it's like yeah the, the coen brothers are fucking amazing yeah um i i really like marriage and i really like her husband and just i love how she's just so like not even like maybe just innocent and yeah. everything is happening around her and she's just so focused on her job and she's pregnant and she's doing all of this stuff yeah like and she's the only one that has can have any coherent thought yeah, process surrounded by fucking idiots and never complaining about it yeah she's great she really like when i first saw fargo what i took away from it was like she's just a lovely woman like (laughs) yeah she really made that movie an awful lot better (laughs) yeah yeah i i I should watch the tv series yeah the tv series they just brought out the second series yeah it's on Um, netflix as well yeah yeah and so I, i really need to get around to watching that as well as 
God knows what else. But the, you know, I really enjoyed the. Um, I, in fact, I watched the TV series before I watched the film. Actually, really. Um, yeah. That's weird. Yeah, I know. I realise that fact. Because you're um, such a massive like film enthusiast. Yeah, like I have some seriously gaping holes in my uh, yeah. my film my film knowledge, um, which I'm I'm slowly trying to sort out. And I mean, I finish uni in. Well, as of recording this in twenty days, yeah. so I'm gonna have plenty of time very shortly. Yeah, well, that's good. Man, so yeah, we're gonna record so many podcasts. Yeah, you're not even gonna. I I, I won't have a new job. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, this is this is your job. This is my job now. Yeah, yeah. I bought a new mic for it and everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, with a boom hole and all sorts. Feast your ears on Jack's new audio, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Jack. depending on how loud it is. It's funny that I have the most expensive microphone on the midnight hour and probably the worst audio. I, I wouldn't say you have the worst audio. Um, yeah. Loosemore has been on this podcast enough to seal that. True, actually. <laughs> Loosemore has very poor audio, coupled with his fucking laptop fan. Um, I asked yeah. Loosemore to join us tonight, but he said no. Oh, he always says no. Yeah, his, his laptop fan is recording its own podcast <laughs> at the moment. So, uh, Six um, hours of... Yeah. Yeah. I have you guys don't even understand the amount of editing I have to do when Loosemore is on the fucking show. Um, 15 layers of uh denoiser. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's it is pretty much that and it's so annoying cuz you have to go anyway, this is irrelevant. <laughs> I have one character that um is also not quite a badass female character, but I think she's yeah. very, very cool. And it's Inara from the Firefly series. Um, I won't say too much about it because I know it's a show that not many of you guys have seen. I know mm. it's a phenomenal, like, cult classic. Said the word phenomenal again. I fucking yeah, hate you myself. Did, yeah. I've never said the word phenomenal before tonight. <laughs> um, but what happened was... I call Jake Gyllenhaal phenomenal because he's in that movie Southpaw where Eminem yeah. recorded the song Phenomenal and Eminem's song Phenomenal is the exact opposite of the word phenomenal <laughs> but all I have in my head is phenomenal and it's such a shit song and I'm so annoyed um, much like the name Jackie Chan phenomenal has lost yeah yeah. All meaning to me now. Except Phenomenal had even less meaning before. At the start, yeah. Like Jackie, Jackie Chan, Chan had a lot of meaning to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Inara from Firefly is um, a prostitute, but she is a prostitute in a universe where it's not called a prostitute, it's called a companion, and she has this really strong moral code um she takes her like role as a companion really seriously because it is not mm. to just facilitate the needs of a man it's to actually uh it's the complete like opposite way around um and the way uh companions are treated in that universe is with the utmost respect like they are the high class people of the world and it's a really interesting interpretation i think and i think Joss Whedon writes female characters very, very well, and he always makes them uh, a lot more interesting and unique than your typical female characters who don't pass yeah. the Bechdel test and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But Inara just has a lot of... Uh, uh, sort of a lot of input on the series, I think, in ways that people don't really consider. And it, the character, the actor who plays her is amazing in that role. It's the woman... Yeah. Um, Brody's wife. From... Yes, so I just, I was just, I just noticed that while I was looking. Yeah. Uh, looking at IMDb. Morena. 
something or other, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. She was in... Am I right in thinking she was in Deadpool recently? Uh, yeah, she was, yeah. 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 Which I still haven't even seen, I just know that for, as a fact. I saw a great tweet that summed up my opinions on Deadpool, <laughs> and it was like, it's from that Shut Up Mike. I don't know yeah. if you've seen that account, he's amazing. Yeah. Um, but his tweet was like, oh, Deadpool, you've just broken the fourth wall. That was like our last wall. <laughs> <laughs> it's so like the most annoying fucking thing in the world is people like, have you seen Deadpool? No, I'm not really into the comic book. Oh man, it's great. He breaks the fourth wall. Shut the fuck up. I know what he does. He knows he's a superhero. Fuck off. It's <laughs> fucking 2016. Every single character in every single movie knows that they're in a movie now. That's the thing that they do in movies. Like, God. Um, yeah, Anara's great. Um, yeah. To to keep with the superhero thing, uh, just because I mentioned the Deadpool, mm-hmm. uh, Loki from... Uh, the Avengers and stuff Avengers, like that. Avengers, yeah. He's really good. Yeah. I feel like he really uh, kept me watching the Avengers. Um, I, I wasn't overly keen on it. Uh, I don't really care about Iron Man or Captain America. or mm. To be honest, I don't care about Marvel superheroes. I think I would no. if they didn't release one of them every week. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Loki is class. And he just his um, knack for mischief and just how much of a... He's like Han Solo if Han Solo were like a real an, bad guy. Yeah, <laughs> a slightly more narcissistic, really bad guy as yeah. well. I think. I think it's always it's always nice to see a British villain, but it's nice to see one that isn't kind of sat in a high back chair, uh, you know, in some sort of um, faraway island. Yeah, fortress. Yeah, he's, he's out there in the field. Like yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He's, he's out there. He's out there put, yeah, putting his hours instead of just sat there with a. You know, a couple of buttons. I thought you were going to say it's nice to see a British villain that isn't played by an American guy. Because <laughs> that's usually what happens. But, but yeah. yeah, Hollywood does like to cast the uh, the Brit as the villain. It's because for most of history, that's kind well, of hey, what you were. We're, we're just the fucking protagonists of our own story. <laughs> hey, man, come on. Fuck all that Sonder shit we spoke yeah. about last week. <laughs> it's like... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I hear a lot of British people like bemoan that, and I'm always like, "Is that really surprising to you?" <laughs> hey, man, as a, a white person in 2016, I'm having a really tough time. So if you could just just give me a break right oh, now. Sorry, right. bro, I didn't know it was like that. <laughs> Thanks. Do you have? Uh, I've got quite a few more characters. Uh, yeah, I've still got a few more actually. It's yeah. your turn. Yeah. Um. Have you Have you seen? The Naked Gun films yes, and I have. associated films such as Aeroplane. Yes, I've gone down Lieutenant Lieutenant Frank Dreblin yeah. as an excellent character, but really, it's any Leslie Nielsen character. Yeah, for um, for a, a good while there, he was playing. Um, he was just a top tier like parody comedy actor. Yeah. But did you know that before that he was a super serious actor? That genuinely wouldn't surprise me. He, uh, um, the whole origin of Airplane. Uh, Airplane was like the first um, movie where he played a funny guy. Yeah. And before that, he was the very characters that they were parodying in uh, <laughs> Airplane. He used to be uh, just a super serious action hero yeah. guy with like... Um, he plays the role in Airplane completely the same as he did his action roles, but it's just that the dialogue is so much wackier. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he really brings those uh, roles to life. Yeah, absolutely. Got that kind of like almost deadpan. Completely. Yeah. Humor is just absolutely down. Yeah. Airplane is just a super interesting thing anyway, because I'm pretty sure it's like one of the only comedies in the top 250 on IMDb. Yeah, and, and it really it really is an, like, an excellent film, and there's, there's no film that I can kind of watch that's got that kind of same... The reason there hasn't been a film, really, uh, in recent memory that has that kind of same humour. Yeah, I really kind liked, of humor. um Scary Movie 3, where they... It, it's because like, I really love the movie Signs, because it's great. It's a great movie. Fuck all of you haters. <sighs> but Charlie Sheen in that. Like, there's some... Like, Scary Movie 3... Um, I'm sorry to cut across you on this. I, That's all right, yeah. I just love talking about Scary Movie 3. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't, you have to see Signs to get it, really. But, like, one of the reasons that... Like, Signs builds up the tension very well. And there's, like, mm. a scene in Signs where, they're like, the dogs are acting strange. And it cuts to the dogs barking. And in Scary Movie 3, it's Charlie Sheen saying, the dogs are acting strange. <laughs> it cuts to the dogs playing poker and one of them driving a tractor <laughs> and stuff. And, like, the, the guy, uh, he's played by M. Night Shyamalan in Signs. He's the guy who kills um, Mel Gibson's wife in a car accident. And, mm. like, it wasn't his fault and stuff, but he's sitting at the side of the road with this really shameful look on his face. Um, and, like, he knows what he's done and, like, he, he knows his life will never be the same and stuff. Mm. And Mel Gibson walks past him and it's sort of a poignant moment in the movie. And in Scary Movie 3, they have the equivalent of that. But the M. Night Shyamalan character is like, I'll need a ride home. <laughs> 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 it's fuck. Oh, it's so good. So good. Yeah. But, yeah, back to Airplane. Yeah, Airplane. If, like, if people, people that haven't seen Airplane need to, again, sort their life out. I mean, there's, there's no real spoilers for it. It's, it's a comedy. I don't think you can really spoil a comedy, as it were. No. Apart from if I just do an awful rendition of many of the jokes. Yeah, or just go on a night out with any of the lads and, uh, you'll yeah. have Anchorman fucking played oh. in front of you. Best film in the world. God. Greatest, greatest comedic film ever to be made. It's so funny to uh, tell people that you're in a glass case of emotion. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I hate Anchorman so much. To be honest, uh, I, I I couldn't even get through the first like 20 minutes of it. So really, I feel I feel like after the first 20 minutes, the only thing all that I know about Anchorman comes from uh, memes. Yeah. And hilarious lad banter. Yeah, loud noises. Fun. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. Yeah, um, Leslie Nielsen's characters are the pinnacle of uh, of spoof style yeah. movies. I really like spoof movies too. I've seen yeah. like so many of them that were from before my time and stuff like that. Like they're mm. very good when they're done right. Um, I think we lost how to do a proper spoof movie some time ago. Yeah. When they just started putting words in front of the word movie and then releasing them like day yeah. movie and. I, I, I went to see, and, did you uh, see that Meet the Spartans thing? Right? No, I didn't. I didn't see it at cinemas. I saw it at the cinema, and Oof. I I walked out in the middle of it. It's one of the only movies I've ever walked out on. Um, it was marketed with a huge budget, huge cast. Yeah. Absolute fucking Shite. garbage for like there is no joke in it. There's no punchline. It's there like, like the whole. Well, no, there's plenty of punchlines. It's just they're incredibly lowbrow, and they're incredibly obvious. Like that's one of the great things about Airplane, 
Um, like when when the nun starts talking jive. Yeah. That's fucking excellent. Yeah, it's great. Compare that to, like some like something from Epic Movie where Mister Tumnus is a bit weird and he's you know a bit he's like they turn it turns into a gay bar or something ridiculous. It's not. It's so you know. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of kind of not highbrow jokes in Airplane and The Naked Gun. Yeah, but they're so. But they're so well done. The like, it doesn't come across as being lowbrow. The twelve-year-old saying, "I like my men, like I like my <laughs> That's so shocking and out there. Yeah. Whereas, like, one thing I remember from Meet the Spartans is just like the cliff's edge in Three Hundred, where it shows the mum with the baby wrapped up and mm. then the baby turns out to have shrek's head like that's not funny that's not a joke that's not anything yeah. that's you could do that with any movie and by that logic you would have a parody like star wars except oh look his lightsaber has um it's just a giant dildo oh, it's it's an umbrella even like it's yeah you know it's just shit i think i think the problem is that uh, the parody movies nowadays are written for early teenagers yeah. whereas parody movies in the 1980s and the 1990s were written for adults back when music meant something yeah in the good old days when you know <laughs> you had to go up hill both ways in the snow to get to work because you couldn't go to school because you had to work in the mines yeah and it was uphill all of the ways even up to the mine it was awful nowadays you kids are spoiled Nowadays, you kids are just coasting around on your two-wheeled twat planks. Yeah, now you go to work on your iPhone. <laughs> yeah, and you sit in front of a microphone and record pot. Wait, what? <laughs> <sighs> um, I have um, a character that only Irish people will know, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's oh, a cool. guy called Nidge from a show called Love Hate. Um, I've heard you talk about Love Hate before. It's... I. I feel like you maybe have to be Irish to appreciate Love Hate. But I really <laughs> think that you could definitely watch it. You just have to be patient with it. Yeah. Um, it the first two, the first series of it is terrible. Um, <laughs> there's and it's not terrible. Like I, I don't. I, I'd say it's probably just average as a TV series. Uh, the quality is very poor. The acting is very poor. Yeah. Things like that. The execution of stuff is so strange. Like, there's a scene in... Like, one of the opening scenes of Love, Hate is a guy getting shot, and it sort of sets... Um, it's it's uh, lays the foundations for the rest of the season and what's yeah. going to happen that season. Um, and it's a really important scene. And it's shot like a fucking crime watch dramatic reconstruction <laughs> it's so so bad like i cannot get over how bad of a job they did because i really i grew to love that show mm. and i watched it back uh several times and seasons one and two were very very hard to watch season one especially just the quality of it as a whole was very poor um aiden gillen is in it who's uh Getting a lot of roles recently. He was in The Dark Knight Rises. He was in Game of Thrones. Um, he's in a few other things. I think he's an absolutely appalling actor. I don't <laughs> know how he still gets roles, to be honest. And nothing uh, exemplifies that more so than his role in Love Hate. He was terrible at what he was doing. Um, Robert Sheen was okay, but not really that convincing. But Nidge uh, is played by an actor called... Um, 
Fuck it anyway. I cannot remember his name. Uh, Von Von Lawler, Tom Von Lawler, um, and he's from the south side of Dublin in real life, and he talks like in, talks kind of like a a more manly version of what I talk like when I'm recording. Like he has a very Americanized sort of posh accent, and he stutters through all his words, and he's he's um, like for example, he he got um, an IFTA award, which is fucking pathetic. Irish version of a BAFTA like it means literally nothing to get one of those awards I've got like seven of them for the minute um, and his speech hey, was where like mine? <laughs> yeah yours are uh, in the mail away. yeah yeah um, but Tom Von Lawler was like oh yes uh, thank you it's uh, uh, obviously a massive uh, uh, pleasure to to receive this award I'm so grateful and stuff like that and like <laughs> the character Nidge is like the exact opposite of that and he's just he's like a complete uh, tick accent like inner city Dublin scumbag he's like <laughs> I, I don't even want to do an impression of his accent because yeah. I won't be able to do it justice but it is fucking fantastic and he's so fucking good but the character Nidge starts out as this goofball who's um, he's like a hired goon who's part of the squad but he's not really a particularly like he has no strengths whatsoever and his whole thing is like he's having arguments with his wife and his wife is like yeah well i don't think getting genital herpes is very funny and Nidge is like they weren't inflamed at the time and stuff and it's so <laughs> like it's just like goofball banter you know and like the fucking journey that that character goes on from there it's like it's it's like i i don't want to oversell the show but i'm yeah. going to um <laughs> it's like something you'd see in the wire or something it's yeah. unbelievable he goes from a goofball nobody to the kingpin to this like paranoid drug lord who oversees everything questions everything is so clearly like managing so many different levels of stress like yeah. law enforcement getting whacked by people on the street or whatever and he the actor who plays him is just like he is a genuine like quality actor um but the character and the way he develops is amazing. And it, and yeah. the show goes from a very low quality one to a very, very high quality one, I think. And I think yeah. it's fair to say that uh, season four and five were both just really, really good TV. And yeah. mainly because of that character. Yeah, nice. So. I, I, I can't say anything on, on it, obviously, because I feel like... Well, I can't. I haven't seen it. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't even seen clips of it. I have no idea what you're on about. Yeah, I'm just gonna, I, I've just been nodding along and going, yeah. I guess I should have, uh -huh. like... It, it's like a gangland show. Um, yeah. But, yeah, uh, like, I, I, got the, I got the gist of it. Yeah. I th I, I, it definitely sounds, like, interesting. Like, when you spoke about it previously, it's definitely sounded like a, a decent TV show. I think if, if you... Like, the first... It's only six episodes per season, so it, yeah. it, it's a proper show. Um, <laughs> like I, I mean that genuinely like fucking yeah. 24 episodes of The Walking Dead is what crippled it for so long you know yeah. like you have to fill episodes with Rick farming and people walking around and all stuff. kinds of shit yeah, yeah. but um, with Love Hate it's just yeah it, it's all focused there's no it's color. all action yeah yeah uh, and it's great and it's just yeah. something that I think uh, I, I think British people would really like it Um, I think for <laughs> American people it might be a little bit far beyond their like they just might yeah. not get it as such. Just not get it, yeah. Yeah, but I, I think everyone should definitely give it a try. Yeah, 
I think um, what, one of the characters that you reminded me of that I, you know, I really enjoyed. Um, in fact, it's two characters from the same film, and it's kind of taking a step back to what we were talking about in terms of comedies. Dumb and um, dumber. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's uh, it's Ray and uh, Harry from In Bruges. Oh yeah. Uh, so Colin Farrell and Ralph Fiennes characters, respectively. Jesus, I didn't even um, consider. Yeah, like just at like nobody. I like I don't think anybody apart from people who were specifically fans of Colin Farrell would have looked at a film and said Colin Farrell in a comedy like this will be good. Yeah, I yeah. I really I like and I I still find myself saying to people no, but it's it's actually really fucking good. <laughs> like I think you've got to, you've really got to fit the style of humor correctly to kind of really in, fully enjoy in yeah. Bruges and Seven Psychopaths. Yeah, definitely. Um, but if it really fits your style of comedy, then it, it fits you to the ground, I think. Yeah. I um, love the, like, the, yeah. the, I think the opening line of in Bruges is when um, the uh, Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell are in a boat and they're like sightseeing. And yeah. There's no introduction given other than that. And Colin Farrell is just like, do you think this is good going around in a boat looking at things <laughs> and like that's just amazing it's he's so fucking uh like he's an idiot but he's honest and like he's yeah probably a good lad but yeah it's it's that kind of just brutal honesty yeah and like there's 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 things that are said early in the film and earlier in the film and you get the payoff for them later as yeah. well like when he's talking to the overweight guy that's um at the bottom of the tower and he's like saying that he can't go up the stairs and stuff like that because he's fat. Yeah. And then later on it says um the the um the, the tower's closed because some fat guy died climbing the stairs. Yeah. Like just those small little things like stuff like that and then just the whole the whole midget thing is just <laughs> ridiculous and of course you know harry's outburst on the phone is yeah he, he has is, one is it, yeah that's probably my favorite line out of the whole it's, film it's really great. i really like when ray says like ken i grew up in dublin if i grew up on a farm and was retired <laughs> this might impress me bruges but might impress me yeah so it don't so it doesn't <laughs> so good. he's great uh, colin farrell is just great overall i i think he really has a like he is a top tier actor to be honest he yeah. just doesn't get the right roles all the time no. he doesn't pick them or whatever yeah but um i don't know if i ever said this to you i think mm. i might have said this to you i'm not sure if i said it on the podcast but i found it really interesting that in in bruges there's a scene where um ah will i say it brendan gleason um goes to kill colin farrell yeah. And Colin Farrell is about to kill himself. Yeah. And Brendan Gleeson's like What know, the fuck are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> but like that could be the solution to his problem right there. Yeah. But he's like, No, you can't kill a guy who's about to kill himself because that's It's just not right. Yeah. And when Tom Waits phones Colin Farrell in uh, Seven Psychopaths and finds mm. out that he didn't write about him and he's like, I'm gonna kill you and Colin Farrell is just like do what you want, I don't fucking care. Yeah. And then Tom Waits, all the like the venom and the aggression just drains, Drops out. and he's yeah. like, 
oh man, like, uh, what's up? Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, well, there's no fun in it, yeah, really. Yeah, I, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think that's a real, like, statement about how you look after depressed people and stuff. I don't know. I, I found it to be really interesting, though, because it's a very similar sentiment in both movies, and it's a thing I've never seen in any other movie ever. Mm. By the way, Tom Waits is the fucking man. He's the greatest guy in the world. I absolutely love him. He's phenomenal. So but both, but yeah, but both of those films are fantastic. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, and to be honest, if you enjoy this podcast, you'll probably enjoy. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Um. So, the, uh, a character I want to give an honorable mention to because mm. I spoke for way too long about Nidge, and if you haven't seen <laughs> Love Hate, there's no way you've seen this show. Um, but it's a show called Rescue Me that was um, co-written by Dennis Leary um, and it was the first TV show to address sort of how 9-11 affected the firefighting community and when I say first TV series I really mean the only one but um, (laughs) Dennis Leary is crazy uh, into like um, the sort of firefighter community and stuff because he's got Irish roots and Mm. Obviously, there's a huge connection there, but he made this show to sort of point out what, like, the firefighters were going through when, like, loads of them had lost all of their friends and and stuff like that, and so many widows were made, and, like, it was horrible and Mm -hmm. stuff, and the show is about a guy who is living with survivor's guilt, and as a result of that has become an alcoholic, and he's trying to juggle, like, a wife that hates him and kids who he's always disappointing and stuff, and he's an anti-hero in like every sense of the way like he's not just the anti-hero that goes full circle and um or not full circle but you know goes through a massive change and becomes great Mm -hmm. and stuff like that like it's very obvious the whole way through that he's like not helping himself at all and i don't know um i i think dennis leary is great uh, which is not a popular opinion because mm. people are of the impression that he stole a lot of his bit from uh, Bill Hicks and George Carlin and stuff like that. But like, what fucking comedian hasn't done that? Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I I like Dennis Leary. Maybe not so much. I don't really enjoy his stand up. But to be honest, I I I like George Carlin's stand up, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's funny. I've never openly laughed at anything mm. he's ever said. I, I feel like he's more of just a guy who says things that. Are interesting wildly amusing yeah, yeah um but in fact to be honest i don't really like a lot of american stand-ups uh in the sense that i just don't really find them funny i think their humor is a little bit different to mine and it's yeah. hard to find one that I, I don't mean that in a i don't like american humor way just <laughs> i'm very selective about it i don't yeah. think like yeah. dane cook or people like that are funny mm. really i just i'm not interested in it yeah. um even joe rogan who i'm a huge fan of as a person i don't mm. enjoy his stand-up all that much either no yeah. um but yeah uh tommy gavin in rescue me shout out to him i think he's a great character yeah. i like I, I when as soon as you said rescue me the the title rang a bell and i was really surprised to see 90 that they've got 95 episodes yeah and I haven't seen it. I couldn't have told you what it was about, but for some reason the name Rescue Me, so you've definitely probably spoken it about it before. I've definitely spoke about it on my channel before. Yeah. Um, it's... I do actually watch your videos. Yeah, it's true. You know, when I'm really, really bored. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't need you, you know, to get an ego on me. Well, I think that process started a long time ago. <laughs> um, yeah, I've talked about it a lot. It's a, yeah. it's a, The first three seasons of it are pretty much television perfection, to be honest. Mm. 
So I've got a couple of honourable mentions that I, uh, I'd i like to, you know, formally hand out, uh, but they are only quick. There's four characters from three movies, uh, and all three movies are actually animated. Ah. So the first honourable mention of mine out of these ones, they're only going to be quick because I don't have that much to say about them. Uh, the first one is Kronk from The Emperor's New Groove. Okay. Now, like, that sounds ridiculous, but I have really fond... In fact, I have fond memories of all three of these films. And for some reason, Kronk popped up into my head while thinking of this um, earlier, like this whole topic earlier today. And then the, these other two films kind of, you know, came along with it hand in hand. Um, but Kronk is kind of this wonderful, hapless idiot of a character. A complete buffoon who just wants to... Like, have you seen The Emperor's New Groove? Are you familiar with it at all? No. I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say bother watching it. Um, it's very childish. It's probably due all due to the fact of, you know, nostalgia that I even have included him or thought of him at all. But, yeah. you know, he's, he's just kind of this hapless idiot who just wants to do things right. And, it, you know, it was just kind of endearing. And I really enjoyed him. But then... Another another character that kind of is complete opposite of that is the character Vinny from Atlantis: The Lost Empire. I've never seen that either, but I know of it. I, like, yeah, the guy is the demolition expert of this kind of really ragtag bunch of people, and he I can't even fucking remember them now. Um, uh, the, like he's got a lot of quite good quotes, but one of them I've just seen it on IMDb is actually just a. We've done, we done a lot of things we're not proud of. Robbing games, eh, plundering tombs, double parking. But nobody got hurt. Well, maybe somebody got hurt. But nobody we know. <laughs> like, in, in the midst of this kid's movie, you've got a quote like that from that kind of character. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, I always remember that character. And that would always just made me laugh. But then the other two characters were the, the uh, characters Tulio and Miguel from The Road to El Dorado. Oh, yeah. Great. Um, whenever I mention that film to anyone... They never seem to have a fucking clue what I'm on about. Yeah, none of my friends have seen for it. For some reason, for some reason, I went through a good few years before I, I you know, I, I went through a good few years where I was convinced that somehow I had been the only person to have seen The Road to El Dorado. It's very low key for a hugely popular movie, but it's a really enjoyable film. It's great. It's it's absolutely class. It's where I yeah. get my name from. Nah, that's not true. Um, <laughs> Me and Dara saw that in the cinema. Yeah. Um, like, when we were kids. Yeah, like, it was really good. Yeah. It was but, movie. you know, I, I just hear nobody ever talk about it. The ending scene in it is very, very epic. Uh, yeah. You know, like, that last sort of 15 mm-hmm. minutes or so. It's yeah. A, it's a great adventure movie. Yeah. And uh, it's narrated, and I've only just found this out, it's narrated by Elton John. Yeah, I knew that, actually. I had no idea. That was the thing I did know. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah, I'm so disgusted with how that word has yeah. climbed its way to the top of my vocabulary. How I, how I, we've managed this is actually beyond me. I hate it when a word like just becomes my go-to word. It yeah. actually like I hate myself when I hear myself saying it. It's awful. Sorry, just don't say Jackie Chan again, and we'll be all right. <laughs> um. 
That was it, wasn't it? Your four from three. Yeah, those, those are my four from three, yeah. Uh, I'm going to throw in an honorable mention too, uh, mm. and it is Raiden from the video game Metal Gear Solid 2, because okay. fucking get over yourselves, you nerds. He is closer to you than Solid Snake is, <laughs> and closer to you than you will ever be to Solid Snake, so fucking appreciate and stop hating because just because he looks a bit girly. Because, like, your arms are probably, like, really skinny. You have no right to hate a video game character for the same thing. So fucking get a grip of your life and understand the message behind that game. Sort your life out. Yeah, for fuck's sake. Um, honestly, I could do an entire podcast about Metal Gear Solid 2 yeah. and what that game means to me, but that's mm. another thing for another day. Um, yeah. uh, I'm going to just chew into my next character, if that's yeah, all right. Yeah, go for it, go for it. Uh, Amy from Gone Girl. Ah. Oh. Um, yes. I don't want to spoil this one because I feel no, it's recent yeah. enough. Um, yeah, I I will forgive someone for not having seen this. Yeah, but she's great. Um, she plays this sort of privileged and charming girl who comes from mm-hmm. a, a wealthy family and yeah. could never really impress her parents enough. Yeah. Um, but her parents had this series of books that were yeah. based on what she thought were things that she should have been able to do and stuff mm. and like she was always living yeah. in the shadow of this character and yeah. by her parents mm-hmm. um it's yeah she's absolutely brilliant as a character like yeah. some of the things that she comes up with and does uh the whole way through it i was just like oh fucking hell we're going there and stuff yeah she she was brilliant and she really really made that movie um yeah, it's a great movie, but that yeah. character especially is absolutely class. Yeah, for sure. Like uh, Rosamund Pike does an excellent job. Yeah, and she she was nominated, wasn't she, for the? I think so. Yeah. I have a feeling that she may have. No. Nah, she was nominated. She didn't win. No. But yeah, like ex- she's an excellent actor and. I just couldn't, like, watching Gone Girl, and I had people say to me that when they were watching Gone Girl, they saw everything coming. I've heard that too. Which really confused me. Yeah, I because think that's I usually boss. really, I'm usually really good at picking up on that kind of stuff. Same, yeah. And um, I didn't. <laughs> I, I don't think... It, like, I don't know whether I was just willing to be blissfully ignorant. I don't know. Like, but I, I kind of... There were certain things where maybe I was just so in disbelief that it would happen. Yeah. But I wouldn't say that it's a predictable film. And no. Yet, yeah. I have heard people say that it is, which really it annoys me. me. It kind of like yeah. hurts my pride in a way. Yeah. Because it's uh, like, oh, you're not better than me though. That's the thing. Like, um, like I watch movies with my girlfriend all the time, yeah. and she's always like really surprised at how good I am at that. And it's mm. like, that's my thing. So when other people do it better than me, I naturally just <laughs> get that competitive edge. to yeah. Just, yeah. But um, yeah, she, she's a great character. Mm. Who's your next? Yeah, for sure. Um, the only other really character that I had up was uh, Leon from Leon the Professional. I hadn't uh, even thought about him. I think, and I th- for some reason, I don't know if it's just the people that I've spoken to, but a lot of people seem to have not, seen Leon the Professional. Yeah, that's uh, a sort I, of low-key underground yeah, movie. Uh, yeah, but it's... Uh, everyone that I've spoken to that's seen it rates it really highly. Yeah, it's it's a 
great movie. Um, yeah, I, it's I an excellent movie. I own two copies of it. There are some movies that I own two copies of, and that's one of them. Yeah, and this is another character that you really actually shouldn't like. Yeah. Because um, he has this... I don't... I, it's been out long enough. People, people should have seen it by now. I'm not going to give away any massive spoilers, but yeah. he has this a very odd relationship with a very young girl, and he is a professional hitman, you know, as his day job. Yeah. And you really shouldn't like him, but and again, this is another ca- not the character that's necessarily so good, but the actor that plays him, Gary Oldman, as the antagonist. Gary Oldman's great um, in that movie. Just fucking sells it. Yeah. There is nothing that Leon can do that isn't overshadowed by how awful Gary Oldman's character is. Yeah. Um, and Gary Oldman, the fact that he hasn't won a Best Actor Oscar, yeah, is a travesty. This is the thing, though. Like, because, but what he, should yeah, he, he have j- won it for? Yeah, I know, but I feel like, you know, it's one of them kind of cumulative effort kind of things. But that's... I, like, 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 he should win the supporting actor... Yeah. Every, every year like, since like the 90s. I totally agree with what you're saying that it's strange he hasn't won it, but I don't think that I like the Oscars already the Academy already does uh oh here's an Oscar cuz you didn't win one when you deserved one thing. Yeah. And I hate that. Like Al Pacino winning an Oscar for scent of a woman and mm. being snubbed for the Oscar for the role of Michael Corleone who <laughs> was snubbed on our list because he really should be on it. He's yeah. fantastic. Um, yeah, like that, I think that's fucking, mm. like, it's bullshit. It, it's like when they gave Giggs the fucking Player of the Year award that yeah. season when he played in central midfield or whatever. And it's just like, look, Man United fans, he didn't fucking deserve it that year and he was given it because he hadn't won it before that. And, like, that's yeah. a dangerous road to go down, I feel. Mm. Like, a lot of people bemoan the fact that DiCaprio hadn't won an Oscar before this year. But, like, mm. what would you have given it to him for? Like, you know, he, you, you're not going to get an Oscar for Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Not that I even feel like he would have deserved it that year. No, no. McConaughey and um, Dallas Buyers Club. But, yeah, yeah um, that's the thing I've always sort of just... Uh, mm. To be honest... The Oscars is fucking bullshit. Yeah, it's all bullshit anyway. Yeah. Um, the Grammys but... is the real award show that everyone should aspire <laughs> to achieve. Um, I Michael Corleone is one of the greatest characters out of anything ever. Mm. Uh, I think his his transition from like you wouldn't have thought that he would be next in line to take over from uh, Vincenzo, um, and then in like. I think everyone should have to see The Godfather and The Godfather Part 2. I think they're like masterpieces and the two best movies ever made. Um, and everything that Michael does, like it, he's just such a sort of... A, he's just a complete character. Like Everything, mm. the way he was written and stuff like that is incredible. Um, and Al Pacino does a fucking unbelievable job. Yeah. But um, I really, really, really like... Uh, Andy Garcia's character in The Godfather Tree. Um, yeah. Uh, it's Vincenzo Corleone is the younger one. Um, and it's Don Vito Corleone is the older one. Uh, Vincenzo is the, like, I think he's Michael's nephew. And he's, like, very... Uh, 
what's the word? He's just a bit of a nut job. Um, not quite like Fredo. Um, but he's he's not a guy who you would like make head of the family or anything like yeah. that. He he's way too, he takes too too many risks and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, too volatile. But the, yeah, volatile. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but there's a great line in it when uh, when Ona Ryder says, um, "It's not Winona Ryder that's in that movie. It's uh, Sofia Coppola, isn't it? Maybe Sofia yeah. Coppola. Yeah." It, it yeah. was supposed to be Winona Ryder, but it wasn't. That's so weird that I did that. Um, but she's like, but I love you. And Vincenzo's like, love someone else. <laughs> so good. Amazing. Yeah. I think what, one thing we can take away is that I, I love it when women are snubbed when they tell men that they <laughs> love them. That's one of my favorite things. In yeah. Um, yeah, Godfather is great. Michael's great. Fucking yeah. watch The Godfather. Um, the sort of, uh, there was two huge characters I was saving for the end. One yeah. is V from V for Vendetta. Yeah. Um, because I really like everything about what he's doing there. I've always wanted <laughs> to blow up the Brit. No, just kidding. Um, <sighs> he's uh, like a revolutionary guy who does insane things and stands up for what he believes in. And mm. I think everyone can relate to that in some way. Mm. Um, and also uh, Eric Draven from The Crow, um, played by Brandon Lee. Uh, I've always loved The Crow. Like, when I was younger, it was, it was one of the first movies I ever remember seeing, mm. and that's, like, a genuine truth. I didn't even know that Brandon Lee had died on the set until I think I was about 11 or something like that when I found out. Like, I was old yeah. enough to know that this was an actor I wanted to see more of, and obviously I because yeah. I found <sighs> out that he died. But yeah. um, finding that out only amplified his performance even more. Um, I think Eric Draven is an, is a really good sort of tragic character who mm-hmm. um, goes through a thing that a lot of a lot of people in movies go through. Like Maximus Meridius did it as well. Uh, we spoke about him before we started recording, and how mm. I'm surprised that Maximus is always rated so highly as a character because. Um, even though it's great, it's a great movie and stuff like that. I just feel like as a character, he's kind of something that's already been done a lot. Uh, and I think Eric Draven does it incredibly well because he does it with like lots of really cool scenes mm. and great lines. And uh, I also think that there's a scene in The Crow where um, they're using a guy as bait. Um, uh, Skank is the guy's name. Uh, and they know that Eric Draven has come back to like they know that he's next on his list basically mm-hmm. so he's gonna try and kill him and by keeping uh, Skank around then uh, Top Dollar and the the lads can wait until the crow turns up and then try and kill mm-hmm. the crow and sure enough they're sitting at like a table and the crow walks up to the end of the table out of the shadows with the crow on his shoulder because obviously and he sort yeah, of jumps actually. up on the table into like um, the position of sitting like an Indian around a campfire. Yeah. And it's very, very enigmatic and um, sort of uh, I don't know, mysterious and strange, just odd yeah. behavior. And it is, I promise you that Christopher Nolan was taking inspiration from that scene when he did the Joker and the pencil trick scene in The mm-hmm. Dark Knight. Yeah. when he walks in and bangs the guy's head onto the... Yeah, that's, yeah. It's like, if you watch the two scenes side by side, they have a very, very similar atmosphere about them. Mm. And they both point to these misfits and these outcasts who mm. are leading two completely separate courses um, that, that have laid out before them. But it's, yeah. I yeah. Don't know. The, Crow, the Crow's great. Great character. Great movie. Everyone watch it. Yeah. 
think I'll have to go and watch it. Not right now, but <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I, I am actually like I, I used to watch it every Halloween. I would watch the reason that I put those two together was because V for Vendetta mm. is something I always watch on the fifth of November. Yeah, and I always watch uh, the Crow on the Halloween, which is the thirty mm-hmm. first of October. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was the reason. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll add it to my ever-growing list of films that I really should have watched by now. What's on that? Oh, dude, you, it, 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 the list is longer than the podcast. I get this crazy anxiety uh, when I decide I'm going to watch a movie, but I don't know what to watch, and I spend about an hour and a half watching a movie, and I've eaten all the popcorn, and I haven't even attempted to figure out what I'm watching, and I fucking hate it when that happens to me. It's the <laughs> It's terrible. But it happens I, regularly. I think it, I think mine just happens when I uh, I, I kind of sit down and go, oh I, I, oh, I could watch I could watch one of the films on my on my very lengthy list of films to watch. Yeah, but there is this film that I know that I like that I've seen about a million times now. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Ah, I'm watching that. Would you believe it? I think I've watched Mad Max like four times. And <laughs> it's just the best. Yeah, and it used to be Fight Club before that. When I was yeah. teenage, me was like, "Oh, Fight Club is the best," and adult me was like, "Nah, Mad Max is quite clearly the greatest <laughs> anything ever." Um, yeah, I feel like there was a lot of characters that we've probably missed and will regret. Oh yeah, them. like tons. There's, you know, the list is way too long. Yeah. So if we did, um, I want you to whine about it. Um, yeah, be want, a complete bitch about it. All. Yeah, whine in the yeah, comment section because we missed your favorite character. Yeah. Um, also, <laughs> like the video. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we'll know <laughs> um, yeah what about you little bitches but like the video please yeah like and favourite and subscribe and comment and repost and soundcloud.com forward slash midnight hour podcast yeah peace out Mary, this yep, station peace out. is playing every sad song I remember like we were alive Wicked, wicked, jungle is massive And I heard and sung them all from inside of these walls In a prison cell where we spent those nights Do you hear they burned up the diner Where I always used to find her Licking young boy's blood from her claws And I learned about the blues from this kitten I knew her hair was raven and her heart was like a tomb Left my heart like a wound But I saw taillights last night In a dream about my first wife Everybody left me, Mary, why wouldn't you? Saw taillights last night In a dream about my first life Everybody leaves, so why? Why wouldn't you? And Mary, I worried and stalled Every night of my life Better safe than making all those parties. What's going on, guys? My name is Al De Niro. I really hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Uh, we're closing out with an acoustic cover of Great Expectations by Brian Fallon from the Gaslight Anthem. Um, I don't usually like acoustic music at all. I actually think it's really difficult to come up with a song that sounds better when played acoustically, apart from like Everlong by Foo Fighters. But this is actually really, really a lovely version of the song. So um, I included it because I just think it sounds very much like a guy who sort of um, wants to live like a movie character or something like that. Um, I don't really know what I mean by that, but I find with a lot of Gaslight Anthem songs, there are heavy sort of movie-influenced themes and stuff like that, and this one is no different. So there you go. That's the reason. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. If you did, please leave a like. That would be much appreciated. I've been El De Niro. See you guys in two weeks.
Everybody leaves, darling, why, why wouldn't? 